hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe any and every area of your life has a little more potential that you can tap into to change the course and trajectory of your outcomes. My name is Clarissa Parody and I am your host and I have worked and trained in the worlds of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I am the person who believes in and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if that sounds like something that's in your world, your reality, and something you want more of, welcome to the show. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Oh, recording in progress. We are beginning. We have a friend. Amazing. You know, you called it. You did say this will be the time he bats at the mic. And you know, I, uh, am I regretting my life choices? Maybe. (laughs) Can you go down for now, please? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. You know what I was, what I was thinking about before we started was, uh, uh, cat versus dog people and oh and I, I just like I, I very much a dog person cats are fine now but mm-hmm. uh like, like so a fun fact about dogs is they're the only animals that will maintain eye contact with you that's crazy because so most animals like, well yeah. unless it's an aggressive dog because I've heard if you have an aggressive dog don't make eye contact because it can be con- especially if they're guard dogs they, it can be considered a threat right like or, I talk, or yeah, territorial right. or dominant. This is but, you did this. This is your creation. <laughs> this has never happened. <laughs> I feel like he does that every time we hop on a FaceTime or something. This is this is true. Well, that's great. So for those of you who are just hopping in, figuring out life, um, if you haven't looked at the title of the podcast today, with me joining is Lee, and I'm shaking things up. I'm doing things differently, and who better? to try things that are new with than someone you really love, know, and trust. And so thank you so much for being with me to, here today. I'm so excited. And it's really what I love about my conversations with Lee is that I wish I recorded all of them. Like, I think our conversations, I always walk away having learned something or having a new insight or feeling like I, like I'm smart. <laughs> And it's just, it's so fun. And I, I think what I, I, I mean, this could be the the trashiest conversation I've ever had with you, who knows, but I do know that one of the things I want to bring to this is it's, there's just a lot of reality that and, and wisdom that can come out just in being just in existing. And that's what we're here to do today. Amazing. Well, thank you for the gratuitous introduction. Oh my God. You know, the, I think the biggest trick I've learned is to keep good people close. And uh, the people that bring out better versions of you or the, a, a version of you that you want to walk into, you got to know who they are and know what they, what they bring out of you. Because the truth is that an organism's behavior is a function of the organism and the environment in which the organism is in. And so your people that are around you change your environment, which changes your behavior. <laughs> so to me, it's like just choose wisely yeah that's uh that's that's really something I key on uh as well as um I have a pretty tight-knit group of friends that are I don't know there's maybe eight or ten of them that I'm almost in constant communication with or at least every second day um but the funny thing is is like none of them are uh like really friends with each other they just know each other through me they I don't I don't have like one of those big central friend groups right and so um there's some advantages to that. You get uh, a lot of diverse opinions and can bounce ideas off of different people. And sometimes people are going to tell you your ideas are dumb and other people like yourself are going to encourage you to keep going. 
Totally. So what do you, so I'm, I have the same experience. I have a lot of close friends and I would say a lot of them don't know each other. (laughs) And it's not that I try to keep them away from each other. It's just how it shook out. And so what do you like, I mean, talk to me about your friend selection. Like, how do you, what kind of people do you keep around you? That's such a good question. I feel like I haven't had uh, maybe like a brand new friend in a couple of years. Um, I I think the the one thing in common uh, between all of my friends is just all of them have like an amazing work ethic, mm. um, and they uh, they they're all just really honest with with me, and then I feel like I can be honest with them. Those are kind of the the hallmarks of of all of our friendships, I would say. The hallmarks of all of your friendships, I would say, I I get to meet different facets of me with my different friends Mm. of all people you invited me to join you on a hackathon thing I like what the heck's a hackathon (laughs) like let's go uh so we spent a weekend voluntarily working and sharing ideas for for fun and I think there's not many people that would invite I mean would invite me to do that in general I don't know if I have that many people in my circle but I've got definitely friends that I that bring out the bravery me bravery in me the bring out the courage like okay fine I'll jump into that glacial lake no problem sounds like fun yeah, that, then, yeah. go ahead no no the uh the hackathon thing was was interesting because you know what I've been in IT for over 10 years now and I've never done one either that was my first one that's <laughs> so are you yeah. serious yeah. I was like oh this guy totally knows I went in with just ridiculous amounts of confidence that you could guide me through <laughs> well I mean, that is the level of trust I have in you. That's incredible. Okay. I do have questions because now is the time where I can just like ask you things and I get to know and the world gets to know. Um, So you right now, I don't like, how would you describe you as you know, you right now? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, to be honest, I feel like I'm, you know, uh, a little bit crazy, I would say. just, just because like what I've been doing, like just turned 30 this year. And for some reason I, you know, decided to completely take a huge shift in, in my life and in my career and uh, the year's almost done and it's been a wild ride. And just the amount of stuff that I've been able to accomplish in terms of uh, honing my craft, I would say in terms of software development um, and the amount of stuff I'm, the amount of responsibility I've been taking on uh, my friends and family are looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) What do you think has them think that you're crazy? Um, I think that, uh, well, well, from my family's perspective, like not too many of them are kind of like the entrepreneurial types, um, uh, just very much kind of like the traditional born in the seventies sort of mentality. So you, you get your job, you work at the same company for 20 plus years. And, and, uh, that's, that, that, that's just what you do and you raise your family and that sort of thing. Right. And then my, um, uh, I am definitely doing the exact opposite. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I haven't bought a house yet. I don't have a wife and kids. I, uh, I pretty much just like put most of my time into working and, and, um, just, uh, trying to build something uh, a value for others, I guess is, is really what I'm getting at. Amazing. So what's interesting is I got to see you before you took on 
uh, and he stepped into a startup. And what I that I think that's just such a ballsy move, honestly. It, you, it's a, it's a, you're a gambling man, and I didn't even know. And I, I watched you go from one job. We had a bunch of conversations. You rapidly grew your career there, and then you you shifted gears. So before we dive into what's happening now, you went to school for what? Yeah, so I went to school uh, to McEwen University, downtown okay. Edmonton. Um, yeah, Bachelor of Science with a major in computer science and minor in psych. I mean, when people talk about their minors, it's like you took not you took half as many classes as you know the main thing. But um, yeah, and that uh, that experience was not my favorite. I, I mean, I, I I tell that story to people sometimes, and is riddled with anxiety and mm. depression and and uh, poor grades and uh, a lot of stress. And uh, yeah, I was, I was pr- just the whole time I was focused on uh, the outcome of getting a job, which I think is probably what a lot of people focus on when they go to school and um, just like, how is this gonna benefit me once I'm out? And if you're not thinking about that, I've seen a couple people who come out of school with a $30,000 degree and work at Starbucks. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's, most likely wasn't their dream. So it's kind right. Of, yeah. Right. I, I had the opposite experience with university. I think I went to university to fix me. I think that's what I went to university for. I was told I had to go. So I was like, well, I better figure it out. And, and I, not that I was opposed to going, but in my mind, I was, I wanted to break for, okay. For someone who's such a rule follower, I wanted to break the rules. I was like, why can't I take a year off? Cause I had gone, I had been in this beautiful, like incubator of a high school. I know a lot of people don't like high school, I loved high school. Uh, I had a really like set of incredible mentors, incredible teachers, people who are really invested in the well-being development and growth of their students into something like creators in the world, uh, be them artistic or be them just massive contributions to society in some way, shape or form, whether in the form of making, creating businesses, product services, or raising wonderful humans, humans. So it's, to me, it's like, I could not have asked for a better experience. I, I was really, really, really blessed, lucky. It it worked out. And so going into university, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think I, like, I don't know how you pictures, but I looked at people around me and I was like, who do I most want my life to look like? And that's how I picked my major. Mm-hmm. And even then it was a shot in the dark. I was like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> like I'll change it. You don't have to decide you're one. I just, I figured out when the absolute deadline was for everything. I was like, when do I absolutely have to know by <laughs> year one, year two, like how soon do I have right. to decide? And then, then I, I gave myself that breathing room, but I, I had no idea what I was going to do. Uh, I still would offer that. I don't fully know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, but every every few years it evolves and I change. And I, as you've done, you've completely like, what, how long have we been friends for three or four years, five years, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Maybe a year before the pandemic started. So yeah, three, four years. And, and in that time you've had, what is it? Two different jobs, three different jobs. Yeah. So when I was 24, I would have joined, um, a company called bits and glass, which is mm. sh- shout out to them. And, uh, and my manager there was Aaron. Um, they're they're an incredible company to work for. Um, I was able. They they just gave like a lot of opportunity, a lot of room to grow, 
um, some of the some of the more notable things that so first of all it's a consulting company um they kind of specialize in um uh different software frameworks like low code um software uh where you know a consultant is trained in a specific thing and then there's clients and you you know uh, do the work for them and so what i mean by low code software for listeners might not know what that is um uh, a lot of these uh um, uh, typically they're like visual things with like drag and drop uh, components. Um, so it's a little bit easier to kind of uh, map out the software you're building. And the things you drag and drop onto the canvas are just like these uh, pre-packaged um, kind of modules or functions um, that are like tested by experts in a different company sort of thing, right? And so you just basically get this toolbox and this empty canvas and you get to and drop things on and then you magically have software. Um, so, so that's what that's what they do, um, kind of at a high level. And I was I had the opportunity to work uh, in the U.S. a couple of times, um, most notably Hawaii for five months. Uh, I was yeah I got to go there one summer uh, for when I was twenty five for um, uh, like I did twenty days at a time. I'd come back for a week and then did that for five months in a row working for. Uh, uh, I actually probably can't say who I was working for, but. <laughs> No problem. Yeah. I it's interesting. So you went to school, the grades were meh, anxiety, depression, and then you end up at a consulting company at some point, and you end up working in Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. Life, and, life does interesting things, eh? And so and so kind of the the interesting maybe I don't know lesson for if any of the listeners are are going to school or anything like that. Um I, I uh, my, my grades were shit. I'll tell you that. Like I barely passed. I think I had maybe, a, uh, I finished with like a 2.3. Um, at one point I was on like a, what they call a Dean's vacation. So you kind of had to take a year off and uh, just cause your grades are so low. And then I um, was dealing with a bunch of stuff in my personal life. And then uh, uh, at the same time though, I was taking like open studies courses. So you kind of continue to make progress towards your degree. Um, and then I graduated on a technicality, uh, which was kind of funny. Um, I had to read the fine print and then I went to like the advisor. Was, you got to let me graduate. Then they did. But but that um, that job, I, actually coming out of school, I was uh, one of the things I was most concerned about was, um, you know, uh, in software, I didn't have like a portfolio to show for applying to jobs. Um, I remember doing uh, one interview that uh, was like um, I had to there's a boardroom. And there was maybe five or six people in there, which was ridiculous. Like, why would you ever do that? And then one of them was like the lead developer. The other was like the hiring manager. The other person was from HR. Like, and I think they want all those people to attend so that everyone has like, can scope out if like you as the candidate would be a good fit. Uh, but man, you're like 23 years old, you're applying for your first job. It's just a bunch of people staring at you waiting for you to like write code live on the big screen and that's like i've never felt more nervous in my life i don't think and um uh but what i was getting at was the consulting job with bits and glass was actually um i was referred by someone i went to school with uh so that was that was kind of nice so i guess really you know do some networking while you're in school and and make friends and be nice to everyone and <laughs> and also tell people what you're interested in like i think the second, like the primary job network, like what's posted isn't like what's really out there. 
Like, don't be fooled that what is listed is what is available because <laughs> it's not. There's so many positions that aren't openly there's positions that people would consider hiring for if they found the right person, but the job isn't necessarily posted and they're not actively recruiting. And there's, I think most of my jobs, I can safely say I applied for one out of all of the, of, as an adult, every job that I've had, sometimes I've, I've met with the people and they're like, well, can you just put your resume in our whatever HR system? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just need to do that for that, like dotting I's crossing T's situations. And I, so for me, I, my experience was the hidden job market uh, was the one that just worked. And so when people know what you're interested in and know what your goals are and your general proclivities or skills, you'll have opportunities that weren't expected. You'll have opportunities that weren't expected. Um, so you, after Bits and Glass, you moved to a different company. And in that company, I remember you saw some pretty serious jumps in your like progression. <laughs> Um, so that company after bits and glass was, uh, I was only there for six months and yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was, I was was part of the, uh, great resignation, (laughs) which I didn't think I would have been because I was, you, I was watching the news and everything. And I'm like, everyone's like quitting their jobs. Like what's going on? Like, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then I did it and I was like, oh, I guess I'm part of the gang. Um, that, that one, that, yeah. Moving so kind of what uh, 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 triggered that move was um, I think you know being in a pandemic, um, kind of all of the uh, the amount of work to be done fell because people like big corporations and stuff they were rolling back their budgets and recalculating and all that stuff right and so in the consulting world like consultants are the first to go so um, they so so the the work you know there was still work to do. It was a little bit stagnant. And then I also didn't adjust very well to the work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm definitely more of a going to the office four days a week kind of guy and maybe stay at home for the Friday. Um, so yeah, so there was that. I wanted a bit of a change. I was feeling like kind of cooped up. And um, and then I was, I was to be honest, I was money chasing a little bit. Um, the, uh, the, the next company that I moved to, um, it, was, it was quite the jump in salary. And, and that, was, that was pretty eye-opening for me um yeah just because you know I, I i was never i'd never been confident in asking for large sums of money um uh, and and you know just happened so it's it's a it was an interesting experience yeah and i think well asking for large sums of money is a lot easier when you understand the value you deliver mm-hmm. and if you are questioning your the value that you deliver it's really easy to just accept what is And I like, I mean, you know, my story of like asking for the biggest pay raise I've ever asked for. And, you know, I went in and I was like, what is like, really? I mean, I was nervous because I was like, this could make me look like such an asshole. (laughs) And I also was like, and what's the worst that could happen? Are they going to fire me for asking for a raise? They might look me like, look at me like I'm crazy, but if, if the, if the compensation is in alignment with the value contributions and difference I have made and that I'm currently demonstrating and I tell them my goals of where I want to go inside the company or what have you, people are often really willing to listen. And 
I mean, you had the evidence behind you of the, of the differences you've made and the projects you worked on. And you also had some aspirational goals. And, and like, I just want to drive this home. The company you left for was, was that the startup? That the, so when I, when I left software consulting, I, <laughs> I left in February and then I took a nice two week vacation to Europe. <laughs> specifically Spain and Portugal. And I immediately fell in love with Lisbon. Um, and then I came back and uh, yeah, I start, my friend uh, was, uh, uh, you know, starting this, uh, this startup and um, they needed uh, a, a full-time sort of tech person, software person. And so I started with them and I was kind of prepared. Um, it, it, it felt like the right time for the move, right? Because, um, you know, I wanted to, do things differently than what was happening in the consulting world. I mean, uh, sometimes it can be um, like there's, you work with great people, you get lots of different types of experiences because you work um, uh, because of the consulting aspect, so many different industries, verticals, like airlines, hospitality, like everything, right? Um, but the one thing I wasn't getting was uh, exposure to really the breadth of what, you know, technology is in like our society like specifically just doing like what is called like api development with a specific technology um and uh yeah this startup opportunity has me literally doing everything top down like uh, uh learning infrastructure stuff writing front-end code back-end code um multiple languages multiple frameworks and and really it's just um what it gives me is 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 an opportunity to like be creative what was actually the, the the main thing right um felt i was feeling very stagnant and you know the the change i made your uh your creativity just explodes you come up with an idea you can run with it and that's like the startup world when you're you know a small team just starting out and um yeah i've i've you know, I, I don't think I've ever been happier at a job, to be honest. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, it sounds like you really value like creativity mm -hmm. and solutions. Like you like fixing problems and trying things out. I'm definitely a fixer. Uh, I bring, <laughs> I bring, I bring that into my uh, personal life a little too much. Uh, I was discussing that with my therapist the other day, but, um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the freedom to, um, you know, be creative with solutions and and put the pieces together and, come up with something that that you feel is innovative and that you can be proud of um and and you know what i think that wouldn't have happened if i hadn't uh done what i was doing for the last couple of years right mm. and so the last couple of years before that were really um like i mentioned before kind of honing your craft um making connections in the industry um and actually just building confidence um i i i definitely could not or i would have had a way harder time making this jump um, if I didn't, hadn't built that level of confidence in myself. That was it you that I was talking to this about? Maybe like, let me know it, when you work for an organization and when you're in and you work for someone or you're in corporate or what have you, it's your, it's your little playground. It's your sandbox. And you have resources that you wouldn't normally have in a startup. You have all these things and you can, it's not like you're trying to screw around and waste resources, but you can try things that may be not. Like you're not really sure how they go yet and you can get a line of sight into something that can direct you better once you are doing the top to bottom. Cause the thing about a startup is you're wearing multiple hats. Like you're probably not doing just one job. You're probably doing several uh, or have responsibilities that are not just like within one scope. And so 
to me that what a, what a better place to learn than from an organization that has some polish to it. Like they got there. All, everyone started as a startup. Uh, yes, in a sense. I mean, I, I would describe it as just, there's like small business and then there's startup. Mm, I, I don't, okay. I don't, I wouldn't say they're the, the same thing, right? Like small business might be, you know, your, your local sort of traditionally run business, um, where you sell soap at the store, right? Um, typically like a tech startup anyway, the idea is to, um, um, potentially like get investors or scale very quickly. There's like a methodology to it. Right. Um, uh, but, but, but yeah, I like, yeah, you, you hear that a lot off, very often uh, in the startup world, like wearing multiple hats and, and if you don't know how to do something, you know, you're, you got to just learn it. There's no, there's no choice, right. Or else it just sinks. Um, yes. Sometimes I, I kind of, uh, visualize it as not even multiple hats. It's just like, there's like three, five of us, however many people wearing one big hat and we're just like all under it. Um, it's, a it's, single uh, tent circus. Yeah, yeah. A single tent is a very good way uh, of describing it. That's really cool. Okay, so making that leap into a startup, you have to have, there's a little, there's one, a little bit of intestinal fortitude you have to have. You have to have endurance. And we talked a little bit about like, you kind of broke the rules. You have that you're in your family, like that 70s mindset. People have the job for 20 years. Everything stays consistent. Stability. I, I would say in that past generation, it felt I felt like security and stability was tied directly to the same employment as if it would be enduring and forever. Maybe that's a union mentality. I'm not really sure. Um, but what ha- what makes you successful in the world of startups and being like in that entrepreneurial mindset vibe area? Uh, yeah, I would I would use the word grit. Uh, it's mm. probably the one I would use. Um, I just, uh, I, I certainly don't give up very easily. Um, and, and I think, uh, it, it, it's all, it's, there's a lot of perspective to it too, right? Like, um, you, uh, can be successful and be good at things, um, even though there are like these genius programmers that work for, you know, Facebook, Google, like whatever. Right. And then I'm, I don't think I'm a very good programmer, certainly not compared to them, but I'm still, you know, working for this company and we're making money and doing great things. So once you kind of have that perspective and you're like a little easier on yourself, um, you kind of just like get out of your own way. And, and then the rest of it is, you know, like how bad do you want it? (laughs) And uh, I I think uh, you have to, um, determine, uh, like what your motivations are, um, and, uh, just have a little discipline behind what you do, sort of like people going to the gym every day, you know, probably three out of seven days of the week, it sucks, but, uh, you know, the rest of the days are fine. Um, but, but yeah, like if you're, um, if you're strictly extrinsically motivated, uh, whether it's like money or status or whatever, um, that's pretty fickle. I think, I think I like, it might last you, you know, two years, mm. maybe, uh, you know, running on that sort of fuel. Um, but it, it can, it can fizzle out for, uh, pretty quick, I would say. And then, and then you're, you're exposed to, you know, trend hopping as well, right? You need to have uh conviction in like what the vision is. And uh, even though what you're doing might not be popular or maybe it is popular, but by the time you, uh, you know, 
provide the service or launch your product or whatever. Maybe it's not popular. Maybe you stick with it, it becomes popular again, right? So um, you, you want to make sure you have an aspect of like intrinsic motivation. What would you say your intrinsic motivation is? Um, it's, <laughs> I think it's a very old man thing to say for a 30 year old, but uh, I, yeah, I, I actually just want to um, uh, provide uh, as much value as I can to other people. Um, mm. And, and so, you know, um, you, you see, you see a lot of examples maybe of, uh, what's an example, people, people who write like software people who might write like uh, a bot for algorithmic trading on the stock market or something like that. And, and they hit it big and they make a ton of money. I'm like, that doesn't, that's not, that's not appealing to me. It doesn't help people. Right. Um, and so like what we're doing at the startup now uh, just cash to crypto. Um, so we're a cryptocurrency exchange and, and we're building a, a bunch of like um, kind of uh, auto purchasing tools and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, the, the long-term value of what we're trying to build is um, it can, it can really have an impact on, you know, uh, countries that are not as developed uh, as places like Canada and the U S right. So these, these countries in like South America, um, Central America, Africa, where the currency, you know, every couple of years is completely in shambles and destabilized. Um, those countries eventually will, you know, really uh, uh, see the impact of cryptocurrency and the blockchain and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah. And, and I think personally for me, my long-term goal, like, you know, if the, when the startup works or, or, or we're kind of over with it next step in the career is I wanted to do something that was more in on the side of uh, uh, like not-for-profit uh, using the blockchain somehow. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where internally that, that comes from. You're a helper. You like to help make a difference. No. Yes. I, I mean, yeah, I would. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, was, I was that is that a question I, or a statement? I, um, uh, a little bit A, a little bit of B. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I I would say so. Like, I like to, I just, you know, kind of see the value of uh, enabling others, right? Mm. Um, so the the kind, like, as an example of, of you know, what we would, how we would want to maybe hire at our company. Um, personally, it would be amazing if we could hire someone that could, like, replace everything that I do. Uh, at least like maybe 60, 70%, because that frees me up to go do, um, learn other things, look, be uh, forward looking, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I, I think that's, you know, there's, there's actually like a lot of uh, confidence in that statement, because when I was when I had my very first job in tech, uh, I had this manager. Um, and this was like, kind of what you call like tech tech support for the government sort of thing. I had this manager and he was he was a good mentor. He was a really nice guy, really got along. Um, but one of the things he said to me was uh, never, he essentially told me to never reveal all of my secrets about how I do things and as like a, a form of job security, right? And that is just like not a growth mindset whatsoever. I'm like, no, I want to, you know, perfect whatever these skills are, give it to someone else who's like up and coming so that I can do other stuff. Like, why would I put myself in a little box? Yeah, I'll be dependent on for the rest of my career, but I'll be dependent on in this one little area. And that's like 
a prison for me. I don't know. <laughs> it, that does sound like a prison. It really does. Like, could you imagine your way of feeling safe and secure is withholding? Like, and I'm of that mindset that how you do one thing is how you do most things, if not everything. And so if that's how you're operating in that world, <laughs> how are you operating in your marriage? <laughs> like, this, you have to depend on me. How are you operating with your kids? How are you operating with your friends? Like being an indisposable friend? Like I, 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 uh, that it's interesting. I share that growth mindset mentality with you. One of the things that I've been doing lately is I walk people through how I do what I do. Hmm. Can they replicate it? Probably not the same way I do it, but I would rather it blow up and do something bigger and make waves because if everyone does better, everyone does better. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats. And I'm, I don't believe if I keep those ideas to myself, if I'm the best kept secret, the next secret that's above that I could have tapped into that I could have had room for that I could have had space for doesn't get access. And we stay small and stifled rather than ever growing and expanding, which is just, and maybe that's, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's the wrong way to think, but it certainly has served me. And it sounds like it serves you as well. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, definitely seems to have served me right. Um, at, in the past managing, uh, you know, a, a team of developers, you know, that's up to 10 or 14 people. And sometimes, um, you, you, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of pressure for you to, uh, you know, lead the team to success and how else would you lead the team to success and, and, you know, make the client happy if you're, you know, only telling them 80% of what you know, that's, that's like the most irrational thing I can ever think of. And it's also like, have some intellectual honesty with yourself. Like you, how did you get the information? You didn't create these things out of thin air, right? You got it from someone else. You got it from someone else. And it's just the building blocks of, of everything. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think you can have your own insights but I don't know how many of my insights I eventually didn't read in a book somewhere else. And was like, it wasn't mine first. Oh, that's so frustrating. And this is, I, I, I this kind of draws me to one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So his withholding makes, gives him a quote unquote competitive edge. Theoretically, like he's so needed. No one can win. He wins. Uh, so in that, in the world of competition, like where do you land first? I guess what distinguishes you? And in how you're competitive in the market and also in general, in the world of competition, how do you show up? So first question was, um, yeah, well, I, you know what, well, kind of the precursor question is I wouldn't consider if, if, you know, that guy spent his whole career, like with that mentality, I wouldn't consider him competitive at all. Right. Um, I mean, I gig good for you. You can do this one thing really well. That's, um, which is like, I don't want to talk down about people, but it's just, it's just not something that interests me. I'm just like, let's get moving. Let's do new things and, 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 uh, and, and really grow. But like, how do I stay competitive? I mean, uh, in tech, you know, I, I already mentioned that I don't consider myself to be like a good programmer, but you, you don't really have to be when you're making your own stuff right like whatever kind of solves the problem and and you you have a little bit of um you have a bunch of like core principles like uh you're not breaking the law you're not uh 
people's data isn't getting leaked. And as long as you kind of uh, uh, cover all those bases, like messy code is messy code, who really cares? Um, but that's that's my opinion. I'm sure a lot of employers would disagree with me. Um, but like me, but me, honestly, how are they going to know? Like, how would they possibly when you start working know? for them and your code looks like trash? <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I don't like, I mean, if you handed me an app, I would have no idea if the code was good or like, does it work? <laughs> well, yeah, does it work? And, and, um, I mean, I mean, that that's the, that's the kind of the driving force behind a MVP, like minimum viable product is, does it work? Uh, can mm. you scale it a bit? Our right. customers, like, does it, are, when customers go to use it, does it break? Right. And, mm. uh, and so, you know, you want to, you want to cover those things. And then once you get into like a commercialization phase where you want like a really professional piece of software, that's like ultra lot reliable, um, and all those things, then you, you spend the time to clean it up. Um, but I, I, I try to think of, uh, uh, like a metaphor for, or an analogy for non tech, non software people is just that there's a lot of, uh, uh kind of connections between like writing code and and maybe writing a book or writing an essay right so uh if you um write a couple of pages of your essay for uh school or whatever you're doing um you know you're really bad at using commas and they're all over the place and your teacher marks them up and stuff like that like you see the same thing when you review somebody's code like people in a in an organization people don't just like write code and put it out there right there's whole process of like somebody reviews it maybe two people review it um to make sure like there's no bugs or that it's good it's doing what it's supposed to do that sort of thing um and so there's like this editorial process uh to to how code gets developed um in the real world and um and uh but but yeah so so back to kind of how i'm differentiating myself i think i think maybe <laughs> i i don't like to you know uh like blow myself up uh, you just called yourself bad like three times yeah, okay, like okay. i just so think, should, like maybe i was like should you just rein that back a little because again i'm like i'm i look at what i've seen you produce and what you've talked about your projects and i'm like you should maybe stop saying that because i think right. you are actually better than you think you are and i mean like okay it's one thing to be like you know i love swimming but i'm no michael phelps no no kidding yeah really oh no you you're not a usain bolt you can't so, run that fast. So, so I figured out what it is. Okay. Is um is uh, it's there's a couple of aspects to to why I do that. Um, the first thing is like I I you know we we talked about like our our friend groups before and and probably like at least fifty percent of them are like people who are smarter than me. Like or I I, I hold them in such a high regard, right? So mm. so when I like reflect on things and the work I did that day and the effort I put in and stuff, I'm like. Yeah, like I feel like I put in an effort, but look at how this person performs, and 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 you know, so they always say like comparisons to the thief of joy, but uh, I really I really like that, like that saying. But uh, so but you don't like also dwell. keeps you hungry. It does, yeah. There is something to like uh, something to achieve, something to look look at and, and grow towards. Um, but the other thing is that I found uh, I do it uh, as an ego check. Um, because imagine you, uh, like developing software, you essentially pop onto this computer and you're, you don't really have parameters. You can essentially play God and make whatever you want. Right. And so if you build something that's incredible on your computer, I mean, like you, I, I, 
I feel like people have large egos and you see it on Twitter all the time when they, you know, these founders, they tweet and they status chase and they say, oh, I'm so great, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I, I do it as a little bit of an ego check, to be honest. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, Lee is very good. And <laughs> <laughs> at least from what I know and understand, I here's here's how I know you're good multiple pay increases from your last organization. People sought after you. You didn't chase a job. You were offered jobs. So like to me, if you were a, if you were an okay or mediocre performer, that wouldn't happen. And I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fine. You're a nice guy. Okay. Fine. You have like a pretty good attitude and great teeth, but that doesn't make a business money. And, and people want to work with people they like for sure. Cause going to work and being around a bunch of miserable people is awful. And they also want people who do great things. So, um, for those of you listening, Lee is gonna have his ego check and congratulations. You've had it, but, uh, no more, (laughs) not for this. You can do it tomorrow, but today you've hit your maximum as I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I I like uh, setting those parameters. Um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. I'll try and answer the question directly without dancing (laughs) around it now. Um, I think that the main differentiator if in terms of competition, uh, is I am pretty personable with non-tech people. Right. Um, and so that, uh, that started, started that sort of uh, building that skill in school actually I, I don't uh I think I would go <laughs> I would leave class have like a three-hour break in the afternoon and I would go sit at the pub and the people at the pub were the business people and the marketing people and, and those people right um and you hang out with them and and chat and be friends with them and um and then you get a sense of you know what they're looking forward to after school and the kinds of jobs they're going for and what they want to do. And, and um, you just get a better sense of like how to communicate and stuff like that. Um, and then I've also had lots of practice, you know, doing customer service type things and, and um, had some really good mentors there, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely not, you know, I, I, I think the, the old stereotype of, you know, uh, a computer programmer that just like sits in the dark and drinks a can of Coke and, and writes code uh that i think that's that's you know slipping away a lot because of silicon valley and social media and you see these like super young rich people that do all these fancy things um but uh but but yeah i would say that's probably one of my main skills is is being being personable like you're one moment you're in the computer you're doing all sorts of like logic type things take a few seconds to switch out and you're like oh i'm talking to people now let's let's do that that sort of thing that's awesome. That's awesome. And you also, you played sports too, didn't you growing up? Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, I was actually thinking about this before we started. Uh, if you, if I had to like write like a one-liner description of like either characteristics or like likes and dislikes, um, I would, I would say that I'm the only, um, tech person I know that also played hockey and loves country music. (laughs) <laughs> like I think I think maybe did you just you- write a dating profile I think you might have <laughs> I think I think maybe if you had like a Venn diagram you could uh you would get two of those intersected but not all three I- I've never met uh one that is all three so I don't know if that like is valuable to an employer or anybody but um yeah I mean, maybe maybe they're like it's like redheads there's only two percent of us out there I just need to search <laughs> 
you I'm you know what people may come out of the woodwork okay do you have a favorite country artist Ooh, that's tough or a favorite country song like a go-to I for the last month I have been listening to Eric Church on repeat every morning um Eric and church yeah yeah um what is the what is the song that's like really resonating with you right now let me just pull it up here quick um there's one called doing life with me it's a good one and then another one which is like an old one from one of his first albums it's called hell on the heart it's just i really like those ones right now um and and i like not that i just like listen to country as like my favorite genre i write code to country which is like which like if you ever interview any other software people you're it's not gonna happen you're not gonna find that they are doing like maybe there would be some people who do rap music whatever and a lot of pop and stuff but probably more so in the techno kind of up, upbeat sort of genre right yeah i'm like just put on some beethoven it's fine <laughs> i've actually tried that and it actually works too I, I i mean i think i tend to be of a different era like i don't beethoven isn't my favorite i really like chopin Oh, it's been a minute. Anyways, I, I eventually went through, okay, this is, this is what happened. Not related to country at all. I decided I was going to like reignite some of the things I used to love. You know, I was like, what, what do I need more of in life? I need more joy. And like, I, we've hung out a couple of times and you've had country music on and you are possibly like, you're singing along, you're two-stepping by yourself. I'm like, yeah wow, I need to do that. So I decided, I was like, I'm going to go through every era of classical music to find which ones I like. Cause I used to real, I mean, I was that 18 year old that had like decided that I was saving my money to buy seasons tickets to the Edmonton symphony orchestra. Like I, could you get cooler? I don't know. <laughs> like, but I went through these eras and I was like, wow, like there is so much music. There's so much music in the world. And if you can start like curating, I've now have my own area of curated music for like different vibes. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things I can really love. Do I work to music? Nothing, nothing that has words. I, I, anything really? that has, I can't. That surprises I'm, me. Really? What would you expect from me? You know, Some I Justin Timberlake, like, put on you stuff. should try because we have an <laughs> office speaker and I was bumping JT the other day. <laughs> and it was great. I was singing along. We were getting stuff done. It's uh, it works miracles, I think. Well, I, but I kind of wonder if, because I don't know much about code, but is it zeros and ones? Is that what you do or click and draw? <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> like, but for me, I write like most of my stuff is writing words. Mm. So when I, when other words are there, it's, it's okay, using yeah. the same area of my brain. And I'm like, right. all of a sudden I've written a verse and I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> That's not quite the brand of this particular property. Never mind. <laughs> and sometimes it's actually great too. I, when you're in a creative rut, like if you're in a, what, what do you do? Cause I mean, for me, I try to put on music and, and like take my, or I lay and I stare at the ceiling. I just lay there until something falls from the ether into my brain. Uh, but what do you do? So creative rut, um, or like you're not, or you're bumping into something. You can't solve it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, almost like writer's block sort of idea. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So uh, I actually, uh, I, I really trust, uh, trust myself. Uh, 
and what I do is is just the let it go, go for a glass of wine or a jog or whatever, and uh, you know go do something else completely unrelated, um, and then uh, the next day usually just comes to me. It's like it 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 th there's like some science to you know that talks about how like your subconscious mind will solve problems, and then uh, and then it's presented uh, consciously at some point, but. Um, I, I really just like trust that process to be honest. <laughs> it, well, it, it, I mean, there's, as you said, research there, this is literally right, yeah. a thing. You, yeah, your yeah, your yeah. brain works on it while you're sleeping. Yeah. I also find that, especially if I'm in a group session, cause there's, there's many times where I have to collaborate and there's two people I'm really collaborating a lot with. Now we have a lot of like, just the two of us are meeting and we'll sit there and we're like, this is doesn't solve it. This doesn't solve it. And that first 30 minutes of the meeting, I want to pull up my own eyeballs. I'm like, Oh, and we, and in, in facilitation, we call it the groan zone where it's like, Oh, like nothing is sticking. And then the last 15 minutes we did 80% of the work. I was like, Oh, this is like the Pareto distribution. This makes sense. 20% of the time, 80% of the work is accomplished, but it, it sometimes takes that, yeah. that settling. Sometimes it's overnight when I sleep, sometimes it's that first 45 minutes of it, 30 minutes of an hour long meeting. And I'm like, Whoa, we achieved everything in 15 minutes. And so I just giving giving space and change, either changing your environment like you do is very helpful or just knowing it'll come, it will figure it out. This, yeah. So you mentioned something called the Pareto dis distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so the, the idea behind that is like, you might as well just do your work in bursts, right. Sort of thing. Uh, it's, it's the 80, 20 rule essentially. Okay. Yes. But, uh, with that, it's like 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Um, and it, you know, it's interesting because I believe it's also seen in nature where it's like 80% of the repopulation occurs by 20% of the males or whatever it is. It's, it's very interesting. Um, but it, like some people hate it. Some people love it. And there was actually, here's, there was a, they did a, they did a model. Now I don't know how true this is. I didn't read the article in its entirety, but you, they took, uh, they did a model in some kind of magical digital land and they distributed everything equally resources equally. Mm -hmm. And then 20% of the people ended up with 80% of the resources just because of how things would be used. And I was like, wow, like we have in so many places in the world today, we want like complete equality. Mm -hmm. And just that I think once sometimes we forget is that we have this like reptilian brain, this dino brain, and, and we're not separate from, we like to think we're like completely like humanitarian in our behavior, but we're not, we're, we're wired for survival and the learning to thrive part. That's new. That's brand new in, in the, in the time that we've existed. It's like the latest iOS update. And we, we, that reptilian part of your brain tells you to do some stuff that can be really dumb sometimes. And it's, uh, it's just like, don't, don't panic about equality, uh, because we're working towards it. And that's a new part of our brain. We're, we're really trying <laughs> and it, and it, there's more work to be done, but like, it's good. We're going to screw it up for sure. We're humans. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I screw up most things, even when I'm like super well-intentioned, like my workout plans. I'm like, I'm going to be so good. I for sure screw it up at least some point. Well-intentioned. Um, that, that's super interesting that they did that, uh, uh, the, the 80, 20 thing popped up in a simulation. 
right? I, pr- um, like, I got to find this. I'm like, did I make it up? Yeah. I might've dreamt it. Maybe I astral traveled <laughs> and I went to I've done a that before universe. too, it's fine. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, um, but, but in a, but in a, but you see that, you know, the colloquial term, like the rich get richer in a simulation when everything yeah. starts out evenly distributed and it still goes that way. So like that, what that says to me is, um, it, you know, it, it does get to a point where things, yeah, there's a tipping point where, you know, you have everything concentrated on this like little tiny point of the graph. Um, and you might need to apply some mechanisms to like redistribute, even it out a little bit, Yep. but you should expect it to do the wave. Right. Um, because that's like the natural thing. And, and, you know, if, if you know that it's going to do that, that's like the biggest advantage, like totally. I, yeah, I, I have a I have a tough time with uh, with uh, I don't know people who complain a little bit too much about the system. That's obviously coming from a, a white man who <laughs> doesn't really have you know social issues, I, I suppose. But um, it's it's just like just my perspective on it is like uh, it's a game. So just learn how to play the game. Like you know what you know what the rules are. You know everyone knows how everyone's treated. So it's like. Yeah, you can, we want to work towards to make it better for everyone, obviously, but, um, but like in the moment you, how do you not know that, you know? Yeah. And, and like the truth is like when you, the game doesn't necessarily start out equal, right. Doesn't start out fair, but I look at, I'm like, there are, I, the thing I like to use is dandelions. I have them in my backyard. There are some dandelions religiously, they're going to get mowed down. They're going to get dug up, but then there's some that are just thriving behind my shed right now. Like there's still the base of the plant is still quite large. I've never seen a bigger dandelion situation, but I can't get to it. And I don't really want to squirt lysophate on my lawn. Anyways, that's another story. Um, but, but I'm like, everything else died, was killed off. I got in the way I destroyed it, but for the luck of that dandelion, it had it thrive. And so it even happens in plants it happens in nature it happens like you're just some things are going to have more fertile soil and it doesn't make it fair and it doesn't make it right or wrong there isn't morality around it i don't think because i don't think that dandelion seed was like i'm picking the best possible spot for my home and like if we if we take the morality out of it and and start thinking of it less from an emotional state but from what can i do right now what can i do right now that would improve this uh, or that, that, how could I use this for me and not see it as against me? It can be really hard to do for sure. I've definitely allowed myself to be, um, or perceive myself to be a victim. And I'm like, was I really, was it, did it, could I make it work out to my, like better, uh, to a better outcome for me? Mm-hmm. Probably, probably. Cause sometimes people white knuckle grip onto what they think it should be. And you're so tied to what it should be. Like you're holding onto this tiny little banana that you think you want. When, if you just let go, you could grab a different piece of fruit or you could like just, but you're, you're so busy occupied with this, that your attention, energy, efforts, thoughts, feelings, anger goes here. And it's like, well, and I I can hear people saying, well, it must be nice. And I'm like, it's actually not nice. It's essential. (laughs) It's like, we, why I had to, I, I had to go to therapy for this. So it's, it's like, don't, don't take it lightly, but it's worth having the, wouldn't you rather know that you could use it for your good, that it doesn't all have to be a permanent shit show in your life. And life doesn't always have to suck. 
Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to think that's possible? I would. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of like thinking about your must be nice comment. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, if, if, if anyone, if anyone was to say like, you know, that they just perceive my life or anyone's life as, as being so great, I guess I'll use myself as an example. Like, um, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't perceive as like having a, a lot of difficulties, but that, that's my perception, right? So if you put someone else exactly in my shoes, they might be like, this is the hardest shit ever, like ever experienced. Or they might be like, oh, this is so much easier than my life, right? So a lot of it comes down to like perception. And also, I mean, particularly as me as an example, I feel like I have a lot of people that like rely on me for things. Um, so there's like a lot of background stress, right? I mean, the, the issues are not just like front and center, but um, no. it's just always in the back of my mind. Um, yeah that must must be nice is a is an interesting must. uh interesting uh thing people say it's like I, I've been working well, six, 60 hours a week for how many years now <laughs> I put in the work what do you mean must be nice must be yeah. nice that you had that opportunity <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well and but I even look at like okay so in the context of your family right like yeah. I look at like one of my sisters has it seemingly easy okay Seem, like from the outside world life actually two of them life looks glorious like right. uh, and i have an uh, i have a window i have a window into their lives like we're very close and mm. i'm like the shit they've had to go through the stuff mm. they've had to face the things that have happened that they that people don't necessarily know about because you're not going to necessarily put everything on blast you know there's the whole social media is the highlight reel i'm like yeah try posting or talking about it when you can't brush your teeth, like it's not necessarily going to happen. And not only that, there are some things back when those things happened that one social either media didn't exist or wouldn't be allowed on the internet. So it's like, well, or at least on those platforms. Um, so I think, and also it's relative. I, I was talking to my mom, my mom and my, uh, her sister are like really close, but they're very different. My mom is very determined. I would, I would say her and my aunt are both high anxiety. Uh, like, or high stress people, like very, like making things sure things, everything are just right to like getting things in place. Like I can remember, <laughs> I'm so sorry, mom, that I'm outing you. My mom and I would absolutely go toe to toe when I was younger. And she laid into me one day and was like, and in fairness, like looking back, I could have done something differently. Um, but she laid into me saying, you come in and you make this kitchen a disaster. You are so disrespectful. And I was like, oh my God, she's like real. I was like, what is she talking? Like, and I'm like, I can't think of what's happening. I go, I could have just washed it, but I put a spoon in the sink. <laughs> and she, she, <laughs> I don't think that's a reflection on you. <laughs> but, it, but, but also it would have taken five seconds, but uh, you know, you were, you know, we were talking earlier this week where it's like, I fill my time with things that aren't downtime. I, I'm, I'm working on that. I have downtime scheduled this weekend, uh, okay, to, yeah. but to paint, <laughs> so it's not really downtime, but I was like, I, I told you earlier, I was like, I haven't, I got to do dishes. <laughs> like, they're piling up. Like I gotta, I gotta manage that. But for me, what's more important is the other things. So I prioritize that. So me putting a spoon in, in the sink that I know I'm going to wash, but not in that moment. Cause I'm just moving. I've got, I've got five seconds before I got to jump on the next thing. Well, there's, there's room for me to learn there too. It's like, okay, so why are you filling it so full? 
that the other things aren't wouldn't it wouldn't you love to not have dishes in the sink I'm like yeah but you know what I love more (laughs) I love going to CrossFit at six in the morning and going to bed at eight o'clock at night like I've got I work a lot I have a lot of other things goals so it's like is it really but I will say the spoon thing I'm so sorry mom but it's true that happened that's uh I, I definitely um I'm definitely the same way with uh that sort of stuff like I I don't I don't really have people over very much anymore. So um, just because I'm always like leaving to go to the office to work, to do whatever, right? So um, yeah, typically the the dishes pile up and uh, the, the laundry is never, you know, put away or done. It's just a big mountain. And um, I would, I, I mean, to be fair, if someone is coming over, I do a full clean. I, I, I won't, I won't present like a slob to anyone I will just okay. live in it on my own um which I, I feel maybe a lot of people <laughs> do they just won't admit that they do um but yeah that's 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 interesting um isn't it what do you think has you prioritize that like I mean if you're not doing the dishes you're not doing the laundry like the, the clean laundry is just a clean mountain that you select from when you need it uh like what what do you think you're choosing over that Mm-hmm. um what's more important to you yeah I would say yeah how would I I have like a hierarchy of importance I would say maybe um yeah d- definitely definitely the work stuff is like oh, almost always foremost in front of my mind um and no, not in a stressful way just like in a in like oh I just like can't wait to get back to it right mm. um which, which is like a gift, uh, to, to, you know, have, have that experience. I guess that you could apply, must be nice to, to that. Right. Cause this is probably like a lot of people, most people who, who don't get to experience that. Um, so, so I'm aware of that, but, um, yeah. And then, and, and kind of, I tried to, um, I tried to simple cause I knew I was taking on so much in terms mm. of like career and work. So all of the other things that you have to be responsible for as a, as a functioning adult, um, like your eating, your, uh, exercise, like all that. Um, what I did this year was I just really dumbed it down. Um, I think I have walked to work every single day since maybe May, May or June or something. Right. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's a 30 minute walk one way. So it's, so it's like an hour of walking I'm doing every day. And that, you know, it's, you're not going to get ripped or build muscle doing that. Right. But, um, just the, the fresh air, the sunlight, uh, the, the, the walking is actually like, you know, good for heart and, and whatever, but, um, just, just dumbing it down. Don't overwhelm yourself. I would say is my recommendation. You know, if you are, um, you have like a distribution of responsibilities, uh, that you laid out in front of yourself, you know, if you're, you know, shoving most of your hours into, into one thing, um, then, you know, just kind of what water it down just to maintain in the other things, you know, you don't, uh, it's, it's really difficult to grow, uh, end to end everything up all at once. Right. Um, and, uh, but, but then also understand that, you know, this, this first thing that you're, you're putting the majority of your energy and your time into, uh, it's not, uh, like that level of performance is not sustainable, uh, for like super long periods of time. Totally. I look at it and I look in the world of like peak performance 
And if I was to approach the thing I want the most as if the same way a person who's chasing the Olympics is, life looks a little different, you know? And so the way they eat matters, the way they train matters, how they sleep matters, and everything is focused on that one goal, yeah. right? So for me, I'm I'm reevaluating what that one goal is for me right now. Like I love reinventing myself. I love doing that. I've done it. I've, I think I've told you I've had like seven different industries under my belt, like changed careers, changed. I No, what are I, they? Oh my God, really? We haven't had this conversation. I've only ever known you as like a marketing guru. Oh, I thank you. So for those of you who don't know, um, I don't publicize that I do marketing because I don't, Oh, sorry. Oh my God. No, no, no. This is, this is a great, this is the people should know, or people might want to know, uh, because what I do, I don't believe is marketing. I, my goal is to inspire, like move, touch, move and inspire people. Like I want, I want people to be so connected with whatever they're that's related in to them specifically. I want their lives improved. So what I'm doing isn't marketing. What I'm doing is connecting the right person with the right product or service. I'm putting the right people on the team. I'm creating the culture that sustains performance. And that to me is not marketing. That's the alchemy of success. So it takes a lot of things to put them together to get them into the forefront. And so, uh, I mean, it's interesting because I would not call myself a marketing guru, but a lot of the people who know me, the first person they call for marketing is me. I'm like, well, why? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? Uh, but I, that's, I mean, it goes to show that you don't, I don't always perceive myself how others perceive me, which is probably the same thing for most people uh, in the history of time. So what I've had, what have I, what have I done? Well, I've done everything I've done. Uh, I, was very strategic at university. Like I am a, I was called Cinderella. Like I was like, I got to be in bed before midnight. Like I can't do this. How you sat at a bar. I would die. I would die. I would die. Couldn't do it. It was like even midday. I was like, this is too, I got, I'm tired. This is not for me. So I would do retail and I, I would pick shopping centers that closed at specific hours. So I could have my ass in bed at a very reasonable hour. I was 80 at the gentle age of 19 and well, maybe 30, whatever it was. I was very, I, I knew how I worked. I knew how I thrived. So I did that. I taught at uh, Shumka dancers have a dance camp and I was one of their coordinators for their summer camps for a few years. And then I taught musical theater uh, here. My winning moment with musical theater was when I was hired to do it. And for this one location, they didn't have a piano. And I was like, Ooh, how would you like me to do this? And so, you know, in the, in the world of grit, in the world of figuring things out and being resourceful, I somehow taught nine to 12 year olds, four part harmony without a piano. What? I, yeah, I, I was committed. And I think that task, you know what? Nothing is impossible. This is what I've learned. And that's actually a great reminder for me to being like, well, you know, when you actually know what your desired outcome is, which for me, it was like, end of the week, one hour long show to show their parents, to show them that they can learn lines. They need a chance for self-expression. Like I was like, this is what's happening. And when you have a, this is what's happening. The how is irrelevant. The how is irrelevant. You figure out the how. So I, um, I actually give, uh, or have given, uh, people, friends, a similar piece of advice to, to kind of what you're saying. I worded a little differently. Right. So, um, uh, I say, or or they just like, this person might be feeling like super overwhelmed or they're just like, oh my God, like, how am I gonna, this thing seems insurmountable. This is 
impossible, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't like reflect on the last five or 10 years of your life. I guarantee you there are A, B, and C times where you made something happen that in the moment you thought it was impossible. So you've already done impossible things. Like you, it's, it's in like a history book, essentially. Like it's, it's been done before. So why are you, why are you worried this time? I mean, just do the work and uh, the impossible thing will happen. It's incredible what you can do. So I think that's a great question for people to walk away with. Like, what have you done that's impossible or that at the time, and the seemingly impossible, right? So you start and at that level, I was like, how am I going to do this? I'm under-resourced. I don't have the time. Like, what are the things people complain about? Time, money. There's usually three things. I don't know. There's usually three things people. Well, I, it's, yeah, I don't know what the three things are. Time. Yeah, people like I don't to have time. get in their own way, make excuses, right? And I, I'm super guilty of that. I, I for sure do it all the time, I feel. But um yeah, I'm literally I'm, looking it up. There, I, there's okay, a, yeah. it's it's the three me that I guess that's like the three standard when you look it up, it's like the three standard objections to any sales pitch. I see. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I don't know, sales objections, time, money, something or other. Anyways, the point is there's gonna be things that you don't have. Time, money, resources whatever. I, I, I like money is a resource and so is time, but there could be like we don't have enough people. We don't have a, my husband doesn't say yes. I'm all alone. Like I, and I'm like, like to me, I'm like, how the, this, the six minute mile wasn't a six minute mile. So it was a six minute mile and the four minute mile wasn't the people literally thought your body would explode, which is why trains had a speed limit for a while. Cause they thought at a certain point, if you went too fast, the human body would disintegrate. And now you go to outer space. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Going to, I don't know, man. I've never been, couldn't tell you. I don't actually, there's a lot of things I don't have a desire to do. That's one of them. I also no. don't really have a desire to go to super densely populated areas. I'm more of a more trees, less people kind of gal. I think, uh, as I, as I get older, um, another very old man thing to say, uh, I, the, one of the things that brings me like the most joy is going out to my grandparents' cabin. Mm. And um, it's just like, just even when it's like terrible weather out there, it's just like so nice to to be out there and not stare at a computer screen or hear fire trucks. Oh man, I, I complain. I live downtown, right? And I complain about the fire trucks nonstop. Um, and the funny thing about fire trucks is there's actually never a fire. Uh, it's just protocol for them to show up to things. Um, but I don't I'm not an expert on emergency services. So maybe that's all I should say about it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't um, know anything. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I was you were talking about yeah, time and money. And um I I uh I come up with this uh saying about money that maybe makes no sense to anybody except for me. Um, but you know, what once you once you get past a, a certain point in, in all of your um kind of needs are taken care of in terms of like basic needs, shelter, food, all that stuff um really uh, to me money is just something that provides the time and space to make better decisions mm. right so so you might so, so the the thing i think of is like uh people who don't eat very well and they complain that you know 
they they have to do the fast food route. They have to go to McDonald's or whatever for um because other methods of doing things are too expensive. I'm like, like I don't know. So they they just feel like this this maybe this pressure or stress because they you know are a little bit um low on on money so that they just take the the quick option the 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 worst decision essentially for the long term um but imagine if you had double the money you could sit there and think about and research the decision you're going to make and then you, you just have like this time and space and you can be comfortable and relaxed and make the best decision possible and that's like just kind of what i was thinking about one time I love this conversation. Let's keep going. Uh, so convenience can be a really big pull for people to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that is so convenient that we, and we'll pay for the convenience. Like I, I mean, I don't drink milk, but for not ethical reasons, I just don't, I think it's weird, man. I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. Um, like dairy, like I, cow's milk is so delicious. Uh, oh, I haven't, yeah. I haven't bought cow's milk in years. Like I stopped drinking it okay. um, because I thought that it was like flaring up my skin and it probably was or whatever. So I was trying to quell that, but uh, my opinion is that it's fantastic. <laughs> I think, I think if I went back to drinking milk, I would have to go for like a really fatty milk. Like give me 3% or homo. Like I want like, I think what I like about it is actually, I don't want creamy water. <laughs> no, that is not for me. Like when back in the day, so for listeners who don't know me now or haven't seen this journey that are not privy to it, I used to, I used to be driven wildly by convenience and uh, caffeine. So I would do a lot to stay awake because I believed staying awake would make me more productive. And so that really, I, like I, whether it was at work, whether it was with my grades or whatever. And I would have just trash. I would drink essentially poison. I'm going to call it what it is. Not essentially. It is. It's poison. Uh, if you look at the ingredients and you learn all the things, sometimes you can't go back and I haven't gone back. Needless to say, I would order these chemically ridden drinks that were caffeinated, but convenient. And then I would ask myself, why do I feel like absolute garbage? And I would assume because I was stressed and I wasn't, I wasn't putting it together, but I gave myself a little bit of time space, allowed myself to reevaluate. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I was wrong about that. And that willingness to be wrong and to what is way more convenient is to me, for me to feel full of vitality, high energy, creative, clear headed, that convenience is worth me making my own coffee, my own mushroom mocha latte, which is my favorite right now. Five harmonics, 10 out of 10, highly recommend. I just have <laughs> to say, <laughs> I, I, I like, I'm like, they don't sponsor me, but everyone really, if you, if yeah. you can have that, if you are, if you're not wildly allergic or morally opposed, whatever to mushrooms, um, they are like, it's chaga and reishi and cordyceps and lines in all of these things that had I known what I know now, I would have been drinking this in university instead of plug and I'm like okay you buy the container and up front the sunk cost can feel atrocious because it's very confronting but where your money goes is where your priority is and if you zoom out and you look at your I don't know bank statement credit card statement you see where you're spending your money mm. you can be very humbled or or snapped into a reality where like oh my god this is what I this is how I really this is what I believe I can here's what I say I care about and here's how I spend my money 
And these things really should probably line up. If if you want to lead a life that's full of like of the things you say you're up to, the things you say you're committed to, if you're saying this and doing this, something else completely not aligned, you're the person who's shooting you in the foot is you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, um, that's a, that's a lesson I picked up. I, uh, I briefly lived with uh, one of my, one of my best friends. Um, I think I was 24 and, um, it was my first time living with, uh, someone who wasn't a family member and he had just bought a house and I, um, was right after school, just kind of had the first job going and, uh, he, so we'd obviously split the chores now. So it's just the two of us living there. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of just like, Hey, I'll just adapt to whatever the environment is. Like, I really appreciate like having a, a, a place to live in a room in my own bathroom and stuff. And, um, and so we just kind of set the chores and we communicate about what needs to happen. Right. And there's, you know, a, a string of times where I kept dropping the ball on whatever the home care responsibilities were. Um, and then one day he just like, when he, when he like confronts you as a friend, it's like very stern and you feel bad. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, one day he came up to me and he was just like, having this conversation with me, like looking me dead in the eyes. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like my parent is like yelling at me. And he's just said something along the lines of like, hey, if you're going to do, if you say you're going to do something, just do it. There's nothing more to it than that. And it just like the way it was delivered and the moment and everything. And it just like stuck with me. And I literally was six years later, I think about it every week. I'm like, okay, you have all these responsibilities. Why like dwell on all these other, these other factors of, uh, just if you say you're going to do something, just do it, or at least make the attempt to the best of your ability. Um, being like le- letting yourself get paralyzed by these other, you know, influences uh, doesn't help anyone. And I think you know your relationships across the board will appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, keeping your word, sort of thing. So keeping your word is yeah. the absolute baseline for integrity, and when you there was a, one of these courses I took and it just mind blown eyes open <laughs> eyes wide and wise to my reality was that, you know, when you are not of your word, when you break integrity and you don't restore it or address it, there is a very severe impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just what you've done to someone else, but it's what you're learning about you that you know about you. And so what promises are you breaking to yourself when you set your alarm for six to go to the gym and you're like, I'm just going to hit snooze 20 times. What promise? Like you're, you've already started the day by breaking promises to yourself when you don't deliver, let's say we had an agreement to, and I will take out the garbage and you will mow the lawn and that doesn't happen. Well, it's teaching that person that they can't trust you or trust what you say or do. And then there's some like dissonance and tension in the relationship. And if you want things to flow, you got to clear that up. You got to deal with it. And mm-hmm. so how do you, how do you clean it up? And well, take responsibility. No one's job to clean it up. If, if you've, if you are out of integrity, your job is to clean it up. Not someone else, not someone to else to ask you, Hey Lee, I noticed you didn't do the thing you said you were going to do. Like that's not that person's job. It's your job. And I think when we have people that operate, I know when we have people that operate that way, people are happier. 
there's less stress and tension because there's no one telling stories in their head. Like they, they may not even be gossiping, but you don't think someone's like, well, he's certainly inconsiderate. That's super rude. He does not care about this house. He doesn't actually like living here. He doesn't value me as a friend. And all of this nonsense is happening and you probably just got distracted by how productive you were at work or whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be malintent, but the outcomes can be very damaging. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, please let us know. Give us a like, subscribe, share it with a friend that you know it will make a difference for. We are here to be a contribution and a service to others. We cannot wait to see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Take care.